Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the September 22nd episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. Um, I'm dead inside. (laughs) The Falcons have done it to me once again. I'm not going to get into this in the intro, though. I'm going to talk talk about the, the Falcons uh, near the end of the show. i got a lot to say about that uh, that football club. Um, but actually, it's going to be a pretty short show overall today because I don't really have a whole lot to talk about. Uh, NHL, there's a game tonight, uh, game two between the Stars and the Lightning. If I had to pick, I'd go Lightning minus 110 right now, but the game's going to start while I'm mid-recording, so I don't really have a, a take on that, and there's not game three's not tomorrow night, so... Unfortunately, NHL didn't kind of line up where I can really talk about it tonight because tonight's game is going to change things, obviously. Uh, this weekend's UFC card, UFC 253. Not going to break it down on this card or on this podcast. Um, I know that it is a pay-per-view card. Usually the pay-per-view cards, I'll go through the whole thing. I'm not going to do it here. To be honest, outside of the main event, maybe the co-main event, the card kind of sucks. Uh, last weekend's free card, the one on cable, I actually think was a better card than this pay-per-view. Um... So I don't really have a whole lot of opinions of a, of a ton of fights. Plus, later on in the week, either Wednesday or Thursday, because it's a pay-per-view card, myself, Joe, and Scott Hastings will be doing a UFC Quick pick quick Picks video on the Odd Shark YouTube channel. Uh, so I'm going to break down my top two or maybe top three bets on that. So keep an eye out for that on the Odd Shark YouTube channel. I'll tell you guys right now, I'm going to take Paulo Costa in the main event against Israel Adesanya. Um, why you ask? Well, 50% because I'm addicted to betting on underdogs. So I'll find a reason why I like him once I kind of dive into it. And 50% because I like going against Joe and Scott in those videos. And those guys are, uh, going with a square bet once again in the main event. And they're both taking Israel out of Sonya. So I will find a reason why I like Paulo Costa. Uh, yeah. So keep an eye out for that on the odd shark YouTube channel. So what I am. Oh, also in PJ tour, I'm not going to handicap a PGA Tour event this week because it's it's like that Punta Cana resort tournament. No one's playing in that. Take a Kiradek Afrobarnrat. That's my pick for that. I'm not going to handicap a, a PGA Tour tournament that like no one who anybody cares about is in. So the next PGA tournament I'm going to handicap might be next week, the Sanderson Farms Championship. That's about 50-50, if not that. Definitely the week after. It's like the Shriners Hospital for Children's 
championship open, something like that. Uh, I know there's a good amount of PGA golfers who will be at that one throughout that one every year. They kind of like those Las Vegas tournaments. So at the very least, it will be uh, two more weeks until I do a PGA Tour, uh, uh, another betting preview. What I am going to go through in this episode, though, is my best bets for September 22nd. So I actually have four plays in Major League Baseball. Also, by the way, Major League Baseball playoffs start next Tuesday evening. So that's going to work out perfect because uh, this episode, uh, obviously the Tuesday episode of the podcast will be released the morning before the playoffs. So on the Tuesday episode next week, I'll get into my World Series pick and, and all those good things. But on this episode, four MLB picks. Uh, and I'm also going to do something that I haven't really done ever before, and that's handicap an NBA game. I hardly ever bet on NBA, and when I do, it's kind of based off gut feeling or something that someone told me or I tail someone else. Uh, this time, I actually sat down and tried to handicap the NBA game, game three between the Lakers and Nuggets. So I'm going to give my pick out for that as well. So five overall picks for best bets for September 22nd, and then I'm going to end the show. I'm going to rant about the Falcons. I'm going to talk about how the word upset is now offensive, so... Sorry, guys, we got we got to change our lingo when talking about sports betting. Can't use the word upset anymore. I uh, got a lot to say about that, obviously. Uh, and I'm also going to talk about teasers. Uh, a lot of teasers, questions that I've been getting on Twitter recently with uh, NFL back in action. Teasers are always a hot topic. So those three topics are going to be at the end of the show. I'm going to start with my best bets for September 22nd. But really quick, let's recap my picks on last week's Tuesday episode. Um, U.S. Open. I, did, I, had a, I had a very good U.S. Open. I didn't pick the outright winner. Um, so that's two, both majors this year. I've been close. Um, PGA Championship, I who was it? Dustin Johnson finished tied for second. This one, I had Xander Shoffley and Harris English, who were both right there, right up until the very end. Uh, neither of them could come through, but to be fair, DeChambeau deserved that. Uh, for some reason, DeChambeau, when I bet on Bryson DeChambeau, he stinks. And when I don't bet on him, he crushes it. Uh, but he deserved to win that only guy under par for the entire week. Uh, and he finished six under to shoot. Was it six under the final round or just like, no, it wasn't. It was like three under the final round. Despite that, he had, he deserved that. He tore that course up that really beat everyone else up. But I, I did very well with my bets. I finished just over nine units. I think I didn't calculate the pre-tournament bets with the uh, round bets, but I think I, I did well with the round bets as well. So I think around nine units uh, total I won. Uh, I hope you guys tailed me with my PJ bets last week. Xander Shoffley didn't get the win, but we cashed the top 10 bet, was it, that we had him on? Harris English, top 10 and top 20. And top 10 was like plus 550. Top 20 was like plus 250. So cash both of those. Uh, Tony Finau got a top 20 bet cashed on him. I think it was top 5 and top 20 is what I did. So didn't get top 5, but he was right right there as well. Um, so yeah, I kind of, my handicapping for that event actually worked out pretty well. I'm quite happy with my results from the U S open, despite not getting, uh, the outright winner UFC. I think I've broken my UFC curse. You guys might've seen this on Twitter. This, and a play that I hit was something I gave out on the podcast last week. Didn't give out on Twitter. So that was a little extra Easter egg for anyone who listened to the podcast. I hope some of you tailed that. I did say Colby Covington to win inside the distance. I ended up just betting him TKO at plus 400. Uh, so if any of you guys bet that, then then you had a pretty good hit. Um, but I also mentioned on the podcast, I handicapped that main event. I mean, it's kind of tough to, for myself, for me to pat myself on the back, considering how bad I've been with the UFC bets recently. Uh, but let me give credit to myself where credit is due for myself. <laughs> uh, I handicapped that main event perfect. I said exactly what was going to happen. I thought Colby Covington's pressure was going to be too much for Woodley. Uh, Woodley was was 
going to get his soul sucked out of him once again, and then he was going to kind of give up near the end. Now, he, whether or not he necessarily gave up, I don't. I would never want to say a fighter gave up, but uh, mentally he gave up in, into the last uh, last few rounds. So, lat on the podcast. Last week, I mentioned two good prop bets to make, and I didn't have the odds at the time where it would be Colby Covington to finish him in the fourth round and Colby Covington to finish in the fifth round. Uh, so I bet both of those plus the TKO. Obviously, lost fourth to, for him to get finished in the fourth round, but who cares about that because for Covington to win in the fifth round was 22-1. to 1. So I got that plus the Colby Covington to win by TKO at plus 400. So I won, what, like 25 units, 24 if you minus the one unit I lost on him to win in the fourth round. Uh, so I handicapped that fight to perfection. If you tailed those picks, uh, congratulations. Um, Random Marcos was one of my other picks that didn't work out. I heard pre in the pre-fight uh, analysis on uh, during the broadcast about how she planned on using her wrestling, and she thought her wrestling was going to be a good tool against Mackenzie Dern. And immediately is like, oh, right, well that bet's lost. I wish I could have cashed out. Because um, if you guys listen to the podcast last week, that's you go to the ground, you're going to lose to Mackenzie Dern. You have to just stand up and avoid her terrible takedowns. Mackenzie Dern can't take you down. But Randa Marcos willingly went to the ground with her and then got submitted. I don't get it with UFC coaches. There's a lot of fucking dumb game plans in the UFC. People who do the exact opposite of what they should do. It blows my mind watching the UFC. Randa Marcos should not have even thought about going to the ground with Mackenzie Dern, and she did it willingly and then got submitted, which was obvious what was going to happen. Uh, so yeah, that Randa Marcos, and then Donald Cerrone, uh, that was a draw, so it ended up being a push, so yeah. So, I mean, huge profit I walked away with with Colby Covington to finish in the fifth round and for him to win by TKO, so I'm quite happy with my UFC and my US Open bets. Uh, NFL, I'm not going to get into it this episode, I'll get in, into NFL and the NFL show on Thursday, but... Um, if the Raiders cover tonight, I'll be eight and eight, which is an improvement from six and 10, one step at a time. Also had some bad luck, but that's all right. Also had some good luck on the weekend. To be fair, Cam Newton got stopped on the one yard line for the Seahawks for the win and cover. So, um, went five and zero in Capper cup. If you've been following along with the odd chart Capper cup, I went five and oh, I'm going to be near the top of the standings this week. Can't wait to trash talk about that. But enough messing around. This intro is already too long. It's almost 10 minutes right now. Let's get into the show. I'm going to start with my best bets for September 22nd. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, rate it, review it. If you want to donate, click the, in a, the link in the description. You can donate through PayPal. I'm going to have ads eventually. When I get ads, I'll take the donate option away. I'm going to have ads soon. But uh, as of right now, no ads in the show yet. Uh, so if you want to donate, please do. I would appreciate it. You can click the link in the description to donate if you'd like. But without further ado, let's get into the September 22nd episode of the Bacon Bets Podcast. More bacon than the pan can handle. 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 All right, let's get into some picks. I'm going to start with my best bets for September 22nd. I'm going to go through my four uh, MLB bets first, and then I'll get into the NBA Game 3 bet next, uh, because that's going to be Tuesday night. So all these bets are for Tuesday night. We're going to start with the Milwaukee Brewers against the Cincinnati Reds. I'm going to take the under eight. Betting on the total in this one, under 8, minus 105. So we've got Brett Anderson starting for the Brewers, left-handed pitcher, 4.38 ERA, 4.54 FIP, 1.359 WHIP. Sonny Gray for the Reds, 
He's a righty, of course, 3.94 ERA, 2.92 FIP, 1.292 WHIP. So both, both pretty good pitchers. Sonny Gray's having a great year. Brett Anderson's FIP is slightly better than his ERA, but still, they're they're both very competent pitchers. Uh, both teams also have very good uh, bullpens as well. Brewers tenth in bullpen ERA since August first. Reds are thirteenth. Uh, by the way, I'm going to keep saying August 1st. So at some point in the MLB season, you kind of have to cut off when you're looking at stats because to kind of look at stats for, you know, three-month sample size might not be the best thing to do. So starting now, starting today, I'm going to cut off the stats I'm looking at from August 1st. So all my stats I'm going to reference are from August 1st onwards. <clears throat> so with that being said, uh, main reason why I like this bet is that both teams' offenses absolutely stink. Reds 28th in batting average, 22nd in OPS versus left-handed pitchers since August 1st. Brewers 27th in batting average, 20th in OPS versus right-handed pitchers since August 1st. Also, they're just generally 20th and 29th in total runs scored since August 1st. Brewers are 20th, uh, Reds are 29th. So, I mean, both offensive stink. Uh, you have two pretty decent, two pretty good pitchers. I mean, Sonny Gray's FIP is 2.92, so pretty good starting pitchers. And pretty solid bullpens as well, just slightly above average. So uh, under 8 minus 105 is going to be my bet for that one. Probably the most boring bet of the bunch, uh, but we'll get, we'll get that one out of the way. Brewers, Reds, under 8. Next game I'm looking at is, uh, oh, by the way, last week in MLB picks, or yeah, MLB picks, I went, or total picks, I went 2-1. and one. My Mets pick I ended up counting as a void because one of the pitchers, as a, no, it wasn't Mets, it was... Uh, Tigers and whoever they played, the starting pitcher against the Tigers, Danny Duffy Royals, was it? Uh, ended up uh, not starting. He got scratched. So that kind of voided the bet. But I went 2-1 and one with my bets, including a plus one at 155 on the Islanders. So I think it's two or three straight weeks now profit on these podcast picks. I'm going to start tra- tracking the best bets podcast picks starting this week. I don't want to go back and listen to the other ones. Like I said, I'm pretty sure I was profit last two weeks, definitely last week, pretty sure the week before as well. So doing myself a disservice not to count those weeks, but uh, I'm lazy, to be honest. So I'm going to start tracking these uh, Tuesday best bets from the podcast. I'm going to start tracking the record this week. All right, let's move on to my second pick. I'm doing something, I'm giving out a pick that I haven't given out a pick on the show before, and that's a team total. Uh, Usually when I just do totals, it's for the full game, but this one kind of stood out to me. I'm doing the Atlanta Braves. They're taking on the Marlins. I'm taking the Braves team total over 5.5 at plus 110. Uh, So the normal number at Bovada was over 5 at minus 115, uh, but I figured I'd get a little bit more aggressive because I really like this pick. So I'm taking over 5.5 for the Braves team total. I'm taking it at plus 110. Jose Urena gets the start for the Miami Marlins. He's a right-handed pitcher, which is key. Six earned, uh, six ERA, 5.78 FIP, 1.533 WHIP. None of those numbers are good. Now he's only pitched three games so far this season, so I mean, maybe I mean maybe long-term his stats won't be that bad. He did give up three runs and in five innings to the Braves in his first start on September 7th in his return. But still, those numbers, 5.78 FIPS, not good. Um, and then obviously I'm not going to talk about the Braves pitcher. I think Cole Hamill is getting the start, but he doesn't matter in it if I'm betting on the Braves team total. Uh, what does matter, though, is that Braves smash right-handed pitchers. They smash them. Uh, last week, you've watched Wednesday's episode of Guys and Bets. I gave out Orioles against the Braves, and one of the reasons why I liked the pick was Orioles uh, had a lefty starting. Braves aren't great against lefties. That pick went on to win, by the way, plus 135. Um... 
but they're not taking on a lefty t- in, in this game. They're t- Jose Urena is a righty, and they smash right-handed pitchers. Second batting average, first in OPS, second in home runs, and second in total runs scored, all against righties since August 1st. And by the way, you're probably thinking, but what if Jose Urena has an all-right game? Well, if that's the case, the Marlins will eventually turn to their bullpen, who is 26th in bullpen ERA since August 1st. The Braves are going to score a ton of runs. They're going to get runs in bunches, going up, up against a shitty starting pitcher and then a shitty bullpen, and they smash, smash, smash right-handed pitchers. If Jose Urena was a lefty, I would not take this bet, but he's not. He's a righty. Braves, over 5.5 team runs, plus 110. Moving on, um... Got a slight underdog coming up next. We'll see what the line, what the odds are by the time you guys are listening to this and going to place your bet. But I'm going to take the Orioles minus 105 versus the Red Sox. I just mentioned how I hit an Orioles bet last week, and I'm actually betting on the same pitcher. It's Keegan Aiken, left-handed pitcher, 3.38 ERA, 2.81 FIP, 1.232 WHIP. Uh, he won me my Orioles' first five bet last week against the Braves, like I mentioned, plus 135. So if he wins me this bet as well, then I'm officially a Keegan Aiken fan. That's how these things work, people. Red Sox pitcher, Nick Pavetta, former Philly. Listen to these numbers. 15.88 ERA, 9.71 FIP, 1.941 WHIP. To be fair, he's only pitched 5.2 innings this season. But he's a young guy. He's coming from the Phillies. Last season, in 93.1 innings pitched, he had an ERA of 5.38 and a FIP of 5.47. So he stinks regardless. Uh, Orioles, 8th in batting average versus right-handed pitchers since August 1st, 16th in OPS. Boston, 4th in batting average and 6th versus righties. So thank God they're going up against a lefty because they're 14th in batting average and 18th in OPS versus left-handed pitchers. Orioles' bullpen is actually might be better than you actually think. Eighth in bullpen ERA since August 1st. The Red Sox are down at 28th. Red Sox since August 1st. Third last bullpen ERA of 6.12. Orioles as a slight underdog in this game is a gift sent from Gambler. I honestly don't understand why the Orioles... So they're minus 105, so Red Sox will be minus 115 as of recording this podcast. Why? I Like, I don't see why. You have a young, unproven pitcher who's been nothing but lit up this season going against probably, uh, is Keegan Aiken the Orioles' best pitcher? I mean, I'm not up to date with the Orioles' rotation, but got to be up there. At least his stats are 2.81 FIP. Orioles' batting is above average. Boston's bat, bat, uh, batting against lefties is below average. And then a bull, the bullpen difference is night and day. Why are the Orioles a underdog? Just because they're the Orioles and because the Red Sox are a little bit of a public team? I don't know. I don't get it. I'll jump all over Orioles minus 105, though. Easy. Uh, and then my final MLB pick for the day, I'm going with the sizable underdog in this one, actually. Um, this is the This Line Ain't Right bet of the day. So not a bet that I necessarily think will win, but given the odds, I have to take a shot at it. And it's Athletics plus 160 versus the Dadges. Yeah, this is the Line Ain't Right bet of the day. Frankie Montas... Right-handed pitcher, 5.86 ERA, 4.71 FIP. I repeat, 4.71 FIP and a 1.525 WHIP. Dustin May, right-handed pitcher, 2.68 ERA, but a 4.71 FIP and a 1.085 WHIP. But yeah, if you guys just listen carefully, despite a huge ERA difference between Frankie Montas, ERA 5.86, and Dustin May's ERA of 2.68, they actually have identical FIPs. 
which I think if the analytics work out, doesn't that mean if they both had an average defense behind them, they'd both have the same ERA? Hmm, interesting. But athletics are plus 160. Hmm, interesting. Athletics bullpen also, since August 1st, they are first in bullpen ERA, 2.42. Dodgers second in bullpen ERA at 3.22. So two best bullpens in the majors facing off against each other. Um, I kind of wanted to take the under, but I kind of like, I kind of take a shot at the athletics plus 160 here. Also, I've watched Dustin May a fair, fair amount of time, and the difference between his ERA and FIP kind of makes sense. Uh, yeah, he's a good pitcher, but he's he's kind of, I don't know if he, like he's looked as good as a 2.68 ERA. Uh, when I think of guys in that kind of range, I think of the best of the best. I mean, he could get there someday. I just I haven't liked what I've seen from him from his stuff personally, and the opposite can be said for Frankie Montas. I think he's pitching better than what his stats show, which I guess FIP uh, backs up my argument for both there. Uh, obviously a big reason why the odds are where they're at, though, is the offensive advantage for the Dodgers is huge. Ninth in batting average, second in OPS, first right-handed pitcher since August 1st. A's are 23rd in batting average and 14th in OPS. So uh, it's not all sunshine and rainbows for the Athletics pick here. Dodgers obviously have a superior offense. But similar pitchers, Athletics have a slight bullpen ERA advantage. And then a, a significant offense, well somewhat significant offensive advantage for the Dodgers, but plus 160 in a Major League Baseball game with the stats this close, I have to take the Athletics, and that's why this is the line is not right bet of the day. There you go. Those are my four Major League Baseball picks. Now we're going to get into Nuggets and Lakers. I'm going to give my breakdown before I give my pick so you guys kind of get my thought process here. So if you guys don't know, I'm a, I'm a huge college basketball better. It's my favorite sport to bet on. It's my... Uh, the sport that I'm best at betting at uh, had a great season last season. Can't wait for the next season to start. But I just I generally don't bet on NBA because I just think it's usually it's a lot of ISOs happening, not necessarily a lot of team play. The defense is not the best. Uh, the individuals kind of want to stick out more than their teams. Now maybe that's not true with it get, getting down to the NBA Finals. Maybe they're going to start playing more as a team. And I, I, I'm just not an NBA guy. I'm just not an NBA guy. I can only watch so many sports. Uh, I can only, you know, follow along closely to so many sports. You have to cut a few sports off. The NBA, or I guess you should say a few leagues off. The NBA is one league I've cut off. So um, not a big NBA guy, not a big NBA better, but I am going to handicap this game. So I don't know if you guys want to tail me on this one or fade me, um, but at least you know I'm not kind of coming from a long, educated, tenured background with betting on the NBA. But with that being said, let's get into it. The first thing that stuck out to me when handicapping this game was turnovers. Lakers, second last in the playoffs so far in turnovers per game. They're averaging 16.4 turnovers per game. The Thunder were the only team that were worse. Nuggets are seventh in the playoffs at 13.9, and they're sixth in the regular season, so they know how to protect the ball. Now, Lakers are Lakers and Nuggets are fifth and sixth in percentage of their points coming from two-pointers, so both teams keep the ball down low, but they're also 11th and 12th in percentage of opponent points coming from the two-point range, so both both teams shoot the ball a lot down low, but they also defend well down low as well. So that's kind of a wash. Uh, I'm just kind of going through my handicapping process like I do with college basketball so you guys kind of know where this pick is coming from. So that's kind of a wash. Uh, Lakers are a better rebounding team, though. Second in, in the NBA in rebounding percentage. Nuggets are 14th. Now the next stat is an interesting one. If you uh, listen to me handicap uh, college basketball, you might recognize this stat. Effective possession ra- ratio. So it's possessions 
plus offensive rebounds minus turnovers divided by possessions. So possessions plus offensive rebounds minus turnovers divided by possessions. It's basically, I mean, what the stat basically shows is exactly what it's called. It's how many of your possessions are effective. Denver, 5th in effective possession ratio this season. Lakers, 14th this season in that stat. So that's a good way to show that while, yes, the Lakers do get more rebounds, the lack of turnovers by the Nuggets is actually a more effective showcase of success than the Lakers' offensive rebounds. Also, finally, the Lakers are a terrible free-throw shooting team. If you watch the NBA, you probably know this. I did not. This could be important because uh, we need every point we can get here. Lakers are 13th in free throw percentage in the playoffs, so I think 13 out of what? 16 teams uh, in the playoffs at free throw percentage, shooting at 74.1% from the line. They're 28th when including the regular season. They shot 73.1% from the line in the regular season. Nuggets, meanwhile, 5th in the playoffs at 80.9%, 14th when including regular season games at 78.2%. Now, I will say, because I'm sure you're saying, Ian, you're handicapping free throw percentage. Yes, I handicap it more in college basketball because fewer points, shorter game, a little bit more important in college basketball. NBA, obviously, with 100 points on either side being scored, not as important. But the only way I know to handicap basketball is due to the way that I handicap college basketball. So I got, I'm sorry, I can't learn on the fly here. So I got to kind of use the same methods, not going to wait it as much. But regardless, I am going to take, drum roll, the Denver Nuggets, plus six and a half. I think it's too many points. I think Nuggets keep it close. They might even win outright, uh, but I'm too much of a pussy to take the money line, and I've had bad luck with money line. I'm going to get into this on Thursday, but bad luck taking money line in games where I should just take the spread. Uh, Denver, I mean, the biggest thing that why I like Denver is just their lack of turnovers. They can protect the ball. Uh, Lakers are a better rebounding team, but they do give up the ball, but then they also can't shoot free throws. So uh, if it's a pick em, I'd probably take the Lakers. If it's a pick em, but it's not a pick em. It's six and a half points, and I just think that's too many. I think anything over five is too many. Uh, and also, what, last game, Anthony Davis won a three-pointer to win by two, didn't he? So, I mean, uh, that game was well within reach. I think the first one was a bit of a blowout, um, but kind of makes sense with Nuggets coming off their seven-game series against the Clippers. Six and a half is too many points, I think. I think Denver might win this one outright as well. So just give me the Nuggets plus six and a half versus the Lakers. That's my first official NBA pick on this podcast. But there you go. That's it. That's the end of the gambling portion, or at least uh, the picks portion of the Bacon Bets podcast for September 22nd. Stick around because uh, I got a lot to say about uh, a few things here in the second half. Before we do, please bow your heads and recite the gambler's prayer together with me. Gambler or oh, gambler, please bless our bets this week and save us from bad beats. Allow our wins to outweigh our losses and our tilt bets be successful. May our bankrolls grow and our Twitter trolls stay silent. We ask that you giveth more than you taketh, Gamblor. Oh, Gamblor, be with us this week. In the name of the favorite, the underdog, and the over-under. Bless. All right. Let's get in the second portion of the show. The Falcons! <laughs> what are you guys doing? The Falcons, once again... Completely break my heart as a Falcons fan. Now, one of the reasons why I'm ranting about this is because I look at my demographics. I know that the city that downloads this podcast more than any other city is Atlanta, Georgia. Shout out everyone from Atlanta listening to this. I assume the reason why I get a lot of downloads in Atlanta is because Falcons fans follow me. Guys, what do we do here? 
I'm not an Atlanta sports fan in general, but I get the sense that this is kind of an Atlanta curse between the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, the Braves I know have had bad lucks. I don't think the Hawks have ever done anything. How do we cope with this? After it happened, Scott Hansen of Red Zone was like, yeah, this is a game we'll be talking for days, weeks, months. Heck, I, I wouldn't be, go, be going too far to say we'll be talking about this game for years, which is perfect. That's exactly what we need as a Falcons fan to get another blown lead added to the list of games we're going to see on ESPN on Thursday afternoon when we turn it on in the middle of summer and they're showing a replay of an NFL game. That's exactly what we need. What are we doing? How do we do? How? The, what was the stat? It was like uh, teams who had 39 points and zero turnovers were like 455 and nothing since 1932 up until this weekend. And of course, of all teams, it's the Falcons. We also have the biggest Super Bowl blow... I was going to say blowjob that. <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't a super. <laughs> we blew it is what I was trying to say. Oh, Falcons. Like, I legitimately don't think I want to cheer for this team anymore. I, I'm dead inside when I wake up on Monday almost every single week. How does this happen with a team that's as talented as the Falcons are? It doesn't make any sense. If you're an Atlanta sports fan and you're listening to this, email me. I need to know how you guys cope with this, just being your heart broken in every single team in your city. Baconbetspodcast at gmail.com. Falcons fans, how do we deal with this? Do we start cheering, cheering for another team? Do we just pretend like the football season's already over? Do we fire Dan Quinn? Do we start a fire Dan Quinn campaign going? How? I mean, it's kind of tough to considering we went 39 points and no turnovers. I don't even I, I don't even necessarily know how the comeback happened. Does our defense just just suck? I mean, the onside kick we should we should have jumped on was there bad coaching mistakes? I don't get it, but I'm sick of it. I don't know why of all teams the team that I decided to start cheering for was the foul. Well, I know why, but like I couldn't have cheered for any other team. By the way, I don't know. I don't think I ever said this on a podcast before, but the reason why you might be wondering, Ian, you live in. On the east coast of Canada, how do you become an Atlanta Falcons fan? It all started in 2005, I think. First of all, if you're Canadian, you don't really have any... uh, You don't have a Canadian team to cheer for in the NFL. So, by default, uh, the team that most people cheer for in Canada, I I would say is probably the most cheered for team, is the Patriots. Um, I don't know about out west... Oh, I think a lot of Seahawks fans out west because they're actually pretty close to the BC border, the British Columbia border... Um, but at least know on the East Coast, all the all the games we would get on Sundays when I was growing up on cable was all um, East Coast teams, Northeast Coast teams. So it was all Patriots, it was all Giants, Jets, Dolphins. I, I got had to fucking watch a lot of shitty cable NFL games growing up between the two East uh, divisions. Uh, that's what we got on cable. But dad, my dad was a Rams fan that I've talked about on the podcast before. I knew I hated the Patriots because the first football game I watched was the Patriots beating the Rams in the Super Bowl. I didn't want to cheer for the Rams. I didn't just want to cheer for the same team team my dad cheered for. So um, I started playing football in like 2003, 2004. And the season after I played, um, I didn't really, still, even though I played, I didn't really know much about the sport, didn't really watch NFL. So I bought Madden, I think 2005, but it might've been 2006. It was a Madden with Donovan McNabb on the cover. And it was the first year of superstar mode. And I created a player before I barely, I didn't know anything about the NFL, didn't really know too much about football. And I said, all right, whatever team drafts my player in this superstar mode, this will be the team I'll cheer for the rest of my life. Little did I know the path it would send me on. 
I actually kind of think it's like uh, if you've watched, you guys watch the show Community, uh, that episode where they're at like, uh, I don't know, they're having like a pizza party or something and Jeff throws up a die and whatever number it lands on, whoever's number it is, they have to go get a pizza and, and the storyline of the episode is that it creates like six different timelines. Me doing my superstar player and entering him into the NFL draft was basically like 32 options and I'm sure, I like to think that 32 universes split in my life from that moment, depending on what team got drafted. And I'm currently living in the timeline, I would say probably the darkest timeline, where my player got drafted by the Atlanta Falcons. They couldn't get drafted by the, I don't know, Chiefs? By the Ravens? By the, my team couldn't get drafted by the Packers? Even a shitty team, the Jets, the Browns, at least shitty teams that are bad every single year you don't give up you don't really get your hopes up every game that you win is just like oh yeah we won a couple games this season whoo but the falcons not only every season they get our hopes up every game every game they get our hopes up they can't just lose either they can't just get blown out they're either down and then almost make a comeback and then almost win right at the end of the game or they put this up this huge lead and then blow it They get up our hopes every single week, every single year, and it kills me. It pains me. Just, like, I just want one Super Bowl and I'll be happy. I wonder what my life would have been like if my player was drafted by, I don't know, Jacksonville Jaguars. I wish I could see all the the 32 timelines of the 32 teams I could have drafted my, my player. Who knows where I'd be? I'd probably be a millionaire right now if I could draft by someone else. Maybe if I got drafted by the the Jets, though, I'd, maybe I'd be like a homeless meth addict. Who knows the turns my life could have taken, depending on what team I was drafted by in that superstar mode. I don't know what to do, Falcons fans. Tell me, how do we cope with this? And of course, I'm surrounded by Cowboys fans at Odd Shark too. Three of my coworkers are Cowboys fans. How do you become a Cowboys fan? Why are there so many of them around me? I think they're the only three Cowboys fans I know in my life, and all, I work with all of them. Ugh. Wasn't a fun Sunday. It was not a fun Monday. Jesus Christ. So that, I mean, that's how I feel about it. I mean, there's not really much else to say other than like, what do we do? I'm pissed. I'm dead inside. I don't know what else to do. But the other thing I wanted to talk about is that apparently, um, according to Twitter today, and I, I make the, it's not even a mistake because I have to do it. I'm the social media manager for Odd Shark, so I have to look at Twitter basically all day, every single day. Um, now I've gotten pretty good at not getting offended at other people getting offended because that's a trick that that's a trap you can fall to quite often but today and this leaks into the sports betting world so it kind of gives me a free game to talk about it because generally i've said before i don't want to talk about politics or anything related to politics uh one because everyone doesn't two because that's just going to split up people's opinions three because there's no such thing as uh nuance anymore when you discuss anything politics related uh and four i don't give a shit to be honest i'm a nihilist if there was a nihilism uh, political party uh, i'd vote for them uh, i hate le- i hate people on the far left i hate people on the far right uh they're all morons on both sides uh everyone pretends like they know everything and everyone else is an idiot everyone likes to stand on their moral high ground i hate it all um nihilism is not a political view uh it's more of a philosophy but uh it kind of leaks into the rest of my life the world is burning people the world is burning let's just all watch it collapse in on it on itself and laugh while it happens and maybe we can have a few beer and place a few bets while it happens as well but on that topic that i wanted to bring up the word upset is now offensive apparently 
according to Twitter. Like I said, I get pretty good at not uh, being offended by people being offended, but uh, Twitter was very pissed off that last night in the Emmys, Sunday night in the Emmys, Zendaya, don't know who that is, don't know the show that she's on, I don't really watch TV, uh, she won Best Actress in a Lead, and uh, New York Times, I think it was, tweeted out, uh, biggest upset of the night, uh, Zendaya wins the Emmys, for, and people snapped. So is, is a mix of people who don't understand that the word upset means like an unexpected outcome, or people who understood that but think that upset is a negative term and we shouldn't be using a negative term, and some people even just calling it racist, calling it an upset. Um, not going to touch that part of it, but the odds to win that category, the Emmys, Zendaya, if I'm even pronouncing that right, Zendaya, I apologize, I should be able to pronounce that right, but I legitimately didn't know who she was until today. Um, and that's on me. That's I'm sure she's great. Uh, was plus 1,000, 10 to 1. Uh, if it wasn't an upset, all those people who said that uh, she was the obvious choice and that to call it an upset is uh, offensive, well, you could have made a lot of money betting on her at 10 to 1 to win that award. Uh, Going to read a couple tweets. These are real tweets sent by human beings. Beings. <clears throat> Why label an upset when it's a celebration? Hashtag Emmys. And someone replies, this is such right on point. There are scores of example of this. Semantic slash words matter. The way we phrase things matters. Maybe we could say surprise or unexpected, but even that diminishes that she won and deserved to win based on talent, peer approval, etc. Are we losing our fucking minds? Are we just going to completely change the human language? If anything has any kind of negative connotation to it, we need to change it and come up with a new word? Or are we going insane here, people? What are we doing? Could you imagine sending that tweet and being 100% serious and then standing on your kind of like moral high ground, pointing your finger at someone for using the word upset when talking about an unexpected outcome? I'm not going to, so I'm not going to get mad. What we're going to do is, uh, we can't use the word upset anymore. So let's think of new words when we're talking about a betting upset. Uh, it's the U word. From now on, it's the U word. Um, so happy, happy fun time when a team that is an underdog by more than 10 points wins in the NFL. Uh, they had a happy, happy fun time. Uh, they pulled off. Um, they pulled off an unexpected outcome that will not offend anyone who is listening to these words. They will pull off a, I don't know, Google Dorsch. I don't know, maybe we just need to make new noises with our mouths so we can figure out what noises offend people and what people and what ones don't. Listen, I'm not going to put a huge rant on this. I just, I saw it today and I had to say something. I'm not an anti-left person. I'm not, I am an anti-left and an anti-right person. So don't take this rant as me saying all social justice warriors are bad, blah, blah, blah. Don't, it's, I'm just talking about this one case of people getting mad at the word upset. It makes no sense to me. It makes me upset. And it kind of ties in the sports betting world. Biggest upset of the night. I agree. So if Aniston had won, would that have been normal? All the actors nominated were amazing. So why is it an upset? Like, uh, come on, people. That's got to be a miserable existence to go around like that. Also, I think Aniston was like plus 250. So yeah, she would have been a slight upset. Uh, I looked to see what the favorite was. I, I don't remember though. Huh. <sighs> 
I don't know, maybe even those people who are saying those things are Russian bots that are just planted to uh, create divide inside of the Western world. I don't know. I've now dipped my toe into politics and I don't like it. I'm coming back out. We're going to finish with one more sports betting topic. And that's the topic of teasers. Really quick. Teasers, people have asked, Ian, do you like teasers? I don't mind them in the NFL because you got you have those key points that you can cross three and seven. I don't mess around with them personally because it's hard enough for me to pre- be able to predict one game at a time. Same reason why I don't do parlays. Um, but, it, it, I mean, if you like teasers, go for it. Joe, uh, Joe does, I know Joe Osborne does teasers. He does his weekly teaser. Um, it's fine. If you're make if you're following the rules of making sure that the points are crossing the key lines of three and seven, which of course, if you don't know, obviously those are key points in football because if it's a close game, if it's a tied game coming down to the end, uh, teams either going to win by three or by seven, uh, field goals, three touchdown seven, um, or six in that case. So obviously there are key numbers in football. There are not key numbers in like basketball, uh, in college basketball, a lot of people ask me if I like to buy points, if I like to tease in basketball. No, because there's no key, there's no key points. It's either two or three. That's it. So there's there's no key points in basketball. Uh, don't do teasers in basketball. That's a huge waste of money. I got in a couple of arguments with people during the college basketball season who said that you should always buy the hook. You're a moron if you do that and you don't understand analytics whatsoever. Now, I'm not saying I do because I'm also a fucking idiot. I don't know either. Also, the same reason why I don't like to dip into politics, because I don't know anything. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot, and we're all idiots, but most people think that they're not an idiot. But I'm an idiot. But I will say that you're an even more idiot if you buy points in basketball. Don't do that. If you want to do a teaser, you can do it in the NFL. I wouldn't do it in college football, although you probably could, but college football, I just... Nah, I take that back. You can probably do it in college football. Aren't there more points scored in college football, or did I just make that up? I don't know. I'm not a college uh, football handicapper. This podcast has now officially turned into a crazy person ranting into a microphone in his apartment. And I probably got my neighbors mad at me for yelling. Uh, Yeah, this podcast has gone completely off the rails. So I'm going to end it before I say something that I regret, people. Four best bets for for September 22nd. Recap, Brewers, Reds, under 8, minus 105. Braves, team total, over 5.5, plus 110. Orioles, minus 105 versus Red Sox. Athletics, plus 160 versus Dodgers. And then the Nuggets, plus, one, plus 6.5 versus the Lakers. That's it, folks, for this show. It's been a short episode. I'm actually ending this right before Monday Night Football comes on, so this is going to be awesome. I'm going to edit it while Monday Night Football happens. I'm going to watch the game. Go Raiders. Go Raiders. And I will talk to you for the NFL Week 3 episode of the Bacon Bets podcast on Thursday. Until then, I love you all. Subscribe, rate, and review. Good luck with your bets. Goodbye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.